Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. Welcome to another episode of Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm going to be your host today. Uh, just a friendly reminder for our listeners out there, please go ahead and leave a rating and review. Those rating and reviews really help out the podcast relevancy. It helps pop up into someone's suggestions in queue. Uh, someone who's never heard about the podcast before, and you never know when one of these stories might be able to help save someone's life uh, and you know really get them through a tough time. So please go ahead, leave a rating and review. They really, really help out. Apple Podcast and Podchase are the two best ways to leave a review. But go ahead and help out with that, please, listeners. All right. With that out of the way, I want to go ahead and bring in today's guest. Uh, today is a guest that I heard on the 10 Junk Miles podcast on a Meet the Nation episode uh, from back in 2020. Reached out to him on Facebook and pretty much lined up from there. So really excited to go ahead and hear this story today. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and bring on Tim. Tim, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and start back from the beginning. Who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living, if you want to share that. Uh, so my name is Tim E. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I am from Grand Ledge, Michigan. And for those of you that don't know where that's at, it's a little suburb of Lansing, Michigan, which is the capital of the state. All right, so uh, we're gonna, we're going to jump into – we got to – it's it's football season so we're gonna jump into oh, a, couple, yeah. a couple questions real quick so you brought up you brought up the lions uh to me a couple days ago because for our listeners uh we are recording right now on a wednesday but we were talking about this a few days before week one of the nfl season so there was uh some talks about i live outside of the philly area so uh i'm not an eagles fan Detroit, philly. but uh yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not an eagles fan i just want to clear that up but the Eagles and the Lions played week one. And I told you, I actually thought that the uh, the Lions were going to win that game. And then you did. the Lions the Lions scored first. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm wrong here. And then the, the Eagles just started kicking their ass. And then the Lions came back and made it a game at the end. Uh, but I also I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I didn't watch the game. Okay. I, I thought it was going to be a blowout. I didn't even turn the game on. You know what was uh so I'm uh I have DeAndre Swift in one of my fantasy leagues so that his the Lions first touchdown the one that actually gave them the lead I think was uh it, it might have been maybe it wasn't their first touchdown but uh he got a touchdown early on that really helped me out and uh, I thought it was really cool too so if you're not aware there's actually two brothers Amon Ra St Brown is also the little brother of Equinamius St Brown and who also plays for another NFC North team. And they actually both scored touchdowns this weekend within like two physical minutes of each other. So imagine being their parents, you know, you probably split up one of you at each game or however they handle it. And like both your kids score a touchdown in less than two minutes apart. That's crazy. And both their teams won their game too. That would just be so amazing. Yeah. Those those are the guys that got separated because they were like picking on other players. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know that. The only thing I know about them is that their, uh, their dad was like, their dad was like Mr. Olympia, uh, like a a world-class like bodybuilder. And then he has two sons in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. So you're in Lansing. So are you a state fan? Absolutely. Go Uh, green, go white. 
I'm an Ohio State fan. I'll be, I'll, I'll be at that game in in East Lansing. It's gonna be a party. Oh man, yeah, yeah. They had a they had a show out this weekend. They blew somebody out this weekend. Akron. Yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it's it's gonna be a. It's Michigan gonna be State. a fun season. We got a uh, Michigan State in a few weeks, and then uh, Michigan to end the season. So, I think Ohio State might run the table this year. It's what we're hoping. We'll see. All right. So, uh, see how go- they do when they actually face an opponent. Yeah, no. Uh, apparently, Notre Dame wasn't an opponent. You know, I thought I yeah. thought they were, but now we're seeing they might not have been. Well, so, uh, Notre Dame has always always got a strong program. It just you know they're probably in one of those rebuilding seasons. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll how see. They do. All right. So let's jump in. Let's go ahead and talk about. Uh, let's start back from the beginning. Your childhood. However, uh, however you want to tell your version. Uh, so I grew up going to church. Um, for a few years, we went to a Spanish-speaking church, Spanish-only speaking church, except for like the kids' program. They they all spoke English, and then we went. We ended up at a uh, an, another church where my parents still go to. Um, my dad was a diehard non-drinker. He didn't do AA or anything like that. He just one day decided that he was done drinking. Um, later on, as I got into my teen years, he started, he started drinking a little more, but drinking on occasion, like dinner or whatever. Um, and, uh, it was just pretty normal. Like we played with the kids in the neighborhood. Uh, everybody used to come over to my house and play basketball at my house. Um, whether I wanted to or not, <laughs> um, it's just pretty much the way it was. Like it, it was pretty, pretty '80s growing up. You know, um, we went outside and played until the streetlights came on. And when the streetlights came on, everybody came over to my house. Um, just pretty normal, I guess. Okay. So when was your? Uh, how old were you when you had your first experience with a drink or a drug? Then. Uh, I was fourteen. My dad had gone to the local party store and picked up a, a bottle of whiskey and brought it home. And he said, do you want to try this? And I was like, absolutely. There was something about it. There was something about that bottle and the brown tint and everything. And him coming home with it, having it at home. And I don't know. There's something about it that was attractive and I wanted to try it. Okay. And do you remember, do you remember that experience? What was it like for you? It was pretty, pretty, that experience was pretty abnormal. It was just, you know, that's pretty gross. Um, I don't think I ever want to try that again. Um, this, the second time was the, the earth shaker. Like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life kind of thing. What happened then? Uh, so two of my best friends are, they were, they are twins and, um, they lived down the street from me and their dad was gone a lot and they had a half gallon of vodka. And to this day, I still don't know how we never got caught. Well, I guess I do know how we didn't get caught. Um, cause we drank a lot of that vodka that night. <clears throat> um, I don't know how I didn't get caught in the mix of things. Cause I was pretty inebriated and, uh, yeah 
crazy day. Lighting banisters on fire, um, feeding vodka to the cats, and watching them walk sideways. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. I guess the, how he didn't get caught was the next day he asked to use the bottle for a lamp at school, so his dad just dumped it down the drain. Never oh wow! That's 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 a non-alcoholic. You think there's vodka in it, and you're just dumping it down the drain. <laughs> Yeah, we because we filled back up with water and he just dumped it all down the drain. Yeah, that's that's still like and and imagine too because he didn't know that that was the case. So imagine right. that's that's a non-alcoholic tendency right there. You could just like dump it down the drain and not think twice about it. Right. And me, uh, I would have been like, "Holy shit, he dumped it!" Yeah, that at the very least that would have been going into some other type of container even if i was giving the bo- the the bottle to my kid to go use at school for whatever right all right so uh what happened so, what happened from there then so drinking through high school was pretty much looked like trying to find a party every weekend driving around on country roads because you know there wasn't any facebook or instagram or twitter or anything like that back then you just kind of got in the car and you you heard about an address where there was a party and you went and you tried to find it. <laughs> and sometimes you got lucky and sometimes you didn't. The sometimes original Google up, Maps driving around. Yeah. Right. Just drive around, find the road and hopefully hopefully you find it. Um sometimes you didn't find one, sometimes you did, sometimes it was out in the middle of a cornfield or a bean field with some lights set up and a generator and a keg sometimes you'd go out and you wouldn't get so lucky. You'd find uh, nothing, just darkness for miles and miles and miles. You ever accidentally just knock on someone's door and they're like, no, there's no party here? No, we never did anything. That that seemed a little too crazy for me. I, I was a little more reserved about how I went about it, like, if if I had a friend that was over 21, it, it was more of like they would suggest that they would buy me a six pack or something like that. I wouldn't ever ask. I was too scared. Okay. Um, so so drinking really really took off when I when I started hanging out around East Lansing and then college kids and people that were actually of age. They would just you know somebody would make a suggestion. They would go. Well, I can go buy it, and then next thing you know, you could have alcohol. 21, I partied my ass off in the bars, um, and then, uh, you know, smoking pot, experimenting, experimenting with hallucinogenics. Uh, East Lansing was, like, where everything just kind of opened up for me, and I was like, ah. This is what they've been talking about all this time. <clears throat> um, never thought I had a problem. I even had friends that would get in trouble and then they would get sent to AA meetings or have to do drug tests and all that stuff. And they would separate themselves from the rest of the group. It wasn't like, oh, well, we can't hang out with them anymore because they aren't doing this no more. It was they separated themselves from us. Kind of a deal. And, um, so East Lansing, I started hanging out with this guy. We were working together. He was of age. He would take us to the bar and he would pay for everything. 
And so that guy became quickly my best friend. You're buying everything. You invite me because you and you're buying. Yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Um, I think I was like 22 at the time. And uh, we're driving. We're driving over to this party. Air quotes party. <laughs> and uh, he's driving my vehicle. I'm. I'm just. I'm sitting in the passenger seat, thinking that we're just going back to my house, or he's taking me home. And uh, on the way there, I'm, I'm like, this isn't the way home. Where are we going? He's like, oh, we're going to go over to so-and-so's house. He's having a get-together tonight. I'm like, oh, whatever. And uh, I see that there's a cop following us. I've, I've, I, in, the, in this interim, like, I've, I've been stopped and arrested for possession of a lot of weed. And... Uh, <clears throat> We get pulled over, and he's like, "I'm running." I'm like, "Wait, what? <laughs> you're you're running?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna run." And I'm like, "Well, that's a weird thing to say. I, I'm gonna get in more trouble if you take off." He's like, "No, you won't. They'll be looking for me." He whips around the corner and jumps out of the car and takes off, and just leaves me there. <clears throat> so I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, I know I can't drive the vehicle, so that that's a that's a big no." So I like kind of sit there for a minute and I realize there isn't any other cops coming. So I just get out of the car and start walking home through people's backyards. And it's, Cause, it's cause the only cop crazy. chased him. Yeah. The only cop that was around just took off and went after him. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I guess I'll walk home. I guess I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to sit here and wait to go to jail. That just doesn't seem like a, a good idea. And we're in a different county from where I live, so I definitely don't want to go to that county jail. You aren't worried uh, that this is somehow going to fall back on you regardless because the, this is your car? Oh, I'm not thinking anything about that. Okay. I'm not even I'm not even thinking about what could happen in the future or, like, where my truck is going to go or anything about that. I'm just worried about getting to work the next morning. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm thinking about is getting to work the next morning so I don't lose my job. Not that it was a good job or a, like anything. It was, it was, I made pizzas at a local sub shop. And uh, Sorry, we're cut. Hold on. We're cutting out there a little bit. Okay, so, uh, I just was working at this, making pizzas at a sub shop, so it wasn't anything, like, awesome, or it wasn't, like, a great job. I think I was making maybe a little more than minimum wage, um, so I made it to work the next morning. A couple of days goes by, I'm thinking I'm in the clear, and I get a, a phone call from a friend of mine telling me that the police are at my house and they're looking for me. I'm like, well, that, that can't be good. Um, so I'm, I immediately ask him, I'm like, is there any way that you can come pick me up from work? And he's like, 
yes, I'm going to check and see if they're at your house still. And if they are, then they're probably on their way to pick you up there and I'm not going to come get you. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, he calls me back. He's like, yeah, they're on their way. And it was, I was taking off, I, had a, I wore a gold necklace back then. And uh, I was taking that off and the cop walked through the front door. <clears throat> and he goes, what's your name? And I was like, well, if you really needed to know my name, you probably wouldn't be here right now. And he goes, all right, put me in cuffs and took me to jail. And you're how old? Uh, I was 22 at the time. Summer, summer before my 23rd birthday. And what year is this? Uh, this is 2000. Okay. So my what sister had um, my sister had some weed in her car, and they searched my sister's car, and they're like, "Well, we found this weed in your sister in your sister's car. Do you want to take responsibility for it, or do you want to pin it on her and she can go to jail with you?" And I was like, "Well, that doesn't seem very." right but yeah I'll, that's mine <clears throat> so i took the i took the hit for her <clears throat> and uh i told her you're coming to bail me out and uh i think it was within a couple hours her and both my dad were there waiting for me to come get me <clears throat> so this should have been like a huge wake up call right like hey wake up you're screwing up Kind of what deal. were they actually charging you with? So they were charging me with possession of marijuana um, for that one. The first one that I'd already gone to jail, I'd already gone to jail for. I, I can tell you that story too, but they were charging me with um, um, cultivation with intent to distribute. Is that that's <clears throat> the fancy way of claim of growing the weed, right? Yeah, they they were trying to say that I was growing it, which I wasn't. They they were only saying cultivation because of the amount of weed I had on me, plus having a set of scales and my pipe and whatever else was in there at the time in my backpack. So how that much, that's how much trouble you end up getting in for for that one. So I end up getting everything i had this really great lawyer right he goes in we walk in together they're charging me with cultivation and all and possession so i got two charges that is pending i got this cultivation charge and i got a possession of marijuana charge we walk into the courtroom and the judge stops in the middle of his proceedings to say hello to my lawyer <laughs> and, and i'm just like what just happened and I'm thinking like jail time, like big time jail time, like five, six years in a, in prison. And he comes, he comes and he tells me, he goes, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get 10, or they're going to try to revoke your probation because I was already on, or, no, I wasn't on probation yet. <clears throat> I had some cheap ass lawyer. He's like, you're going to get 10. 10 months of probation and as long as you don't violate the probation they're going to give you this thing where like you you get off and it goes away it, it's expunged off your record so i'm like cool also you can't drink or smoke marijuana because they're going to drug test you and they're going to breathalyze you every day 
I'm like, well, there's ways around that. There's got to be ways around that, right? <clears throat> so I'm like, okay. So I go camping with some friends one night, like the last hurrah trip, right? We all do it. <clears throat> I'm not going to drink. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay sober. <clears throat> but I'm going to smoke some weed. If, if anybody ends up with coming around us that has it, I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. Smoke. I don't have any. I didn't take any with me, and uh, we get up there and there's this like powwow, this like big drum circle thing going on down the road. So we go down there. And some guys offer us some smoke. I hit it. I pass it back, and that that's it. <clears throat> And uh, so so we go back to camp. We go back and we sleep, and that's that. <clears throat> now I'm still I'm still drinking, so but I'm not smoking weed because that's just a a bad idea for me. So I'm still drinking. Um, I, I realized that really quickly that drinking can replace the smoking. I'd rather I'd rather be smoking pot. <clears throat> so um I go I'm drinking with this guy that I work with that can run off on me and uh <clears throat> I start drinking I start drinking alone in my car and just driving around on back roads and going home and parking and falling asleep in the driveway and waking up in the morning and <clears throat> Never at any point did I think that I had a problem. I'm still going to, I'm going to meetings and I'm listening and I'm going and I'm getting, I'm drinking on the way to the meeting. I'm drinking after the meeting and I'm like, what is going on? Like, just I feel there like to get your paper signed after the meeting, getting my paper signed, right. Showing up 15 minutes late, even 15 minutes early. And I'm like, I just feel like drinking more afterwards. What? I don't understand. So, um, I'm working two jobs. I'm working at a restaurant in town and I'm working over like early in the morning at a uh, FedEx loading trucks. And uh, this guy says one night, he goes, the boss comes up to me and he goes, pulls me off the line and he's like, somebody said that you smell like booze. He goes, have you been drinking tonight? I'm like, no. I had, a, I had a beer before I went to work at my other job, but that was at three o'clock. He goes, well, just so you know, you can't you can't drink before you come in here. He's a that's just a bad form. He goes, uh, don't do it again. I'm like, okay, well that's easy enough. I'll just instead of drinking before I come in to work, I'll drink after I leave. Seven in the morning, <clears throat> and uh, I remember I stopped at the store one morning to buy a beer, and this guy. Would work there forever under his breath, just goes, Elk. And, you know, I was super offended by that. <laughs> like, how dare you? You don't know what my situation is. I just got out of fucking work. This, this is like five o'clock to me. How dare you call me that? And I got really angry about the whole situation. And uh, so a few months goes by, and I'm, I'm still working at the restaurant and still doing FedEx. And it's like the night before Christmas Eve, 
everybody's at the restaurant, the owners and everything. Uh, I have my beer there and I go and I grab a beer at the store and I just go and do my little drive. <clears throat> so I finish that beer. I go back to the same store because I'm a genius. Go back to the same store, <laughs> grab another beer and I leave and I'm, I, I crack it on the way home, but I'm, I decided on the way home that I'm not just going to go home. I'm going to do this other little drive and, um, I stopped for a set of railroad tracks on this dirt road because it's just, you know, they just have a stop sign. There's no, none of the gates or anything like that out in the country. Stop at the stop sign for the train set tracks and, uh, I wake up and it's, you know, it's been snowing and I wake up in the ditch with about four feet of my truck still hanging over the railroad tracks. It's 2.30 in the morning. I know at three o'clock in the morning, there's a train coming. I've got approximately anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes to get my truck off and I didn't make it. So, as I'm coming back to the vehicle, um, I realize that there's something competing on my vision. I can't see the cars going by on the highway. That's like a half mile down the road. I realize the train come through, and I'm like, oh, this this isn't going to be good. So, I get to my truck, and I see the, the emergency lights coming down the road. Now, the guy that's driving the train thinks that I'm in the truck. Oh my <clears> God. So there's like fire engines, there's like ambulances, there's police, there's like all all kinds of emergency vehicles on their way up this road. This little dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. Now at this point, had yeah. the train already the yeah. train already hit the truck or they just knew they were coming up on it oh, and yeah. they were trying to Nope. Nope, he hit it full speed. It it uh it spun the vehicle around so it was facing out of the ditch, but it was twenty feet farther in than where I left it. Okay, so he just hit it and then he's calling emergency vehicles because he thought he hit the truck with you in it. Yep. He thought I was in it, so <clears throat> yeah. Uh two hours later. I'm sitting in the back of a police car and I'm finally getting taken to jail because he does a, you know, he does a breathalyzer on the side of the road. I blew like a 0.142. This is like two hours after they've shown up. <clears throat> so I've already sobered up. I've taken a nap in the back of the police car. They had to wake me up to give me the breathalyzer. He's like, well, you're going to jail. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm on and I'm on probation too for the possession charges remember <clears throat> so I get out there and uh, I get I end up getting bailed out the next morning and it or it's a PR bond so they just let me out <clears throat> I gotta show up for court and I'm walking down the road and it's this big long road that goes back to the courthouse from the main road and I can see my dad coming I'm just like, oh, crap. Here we go. And he didn't say anything. 
he didn't say anything until well after we got home to me and he didn't say anything about the incident it was like you already knew what happened <clears throat> so I go to my room I go to sleep I wake up that evening we go and we have Christmas Christmas at my house is like Christmas at grandma's on Christmas Eve on my dad's side and then we go to my mom's side on Christmas Day and then that's it so Christmas Eve comes along and uh, it's that evening and I, I get up, I go to Christmas, I come home, I go back to bed, I get up for Christmas morning, <clears throat> do what I have to do for the family obligations there. And then I go home and I go back to bed. And I do that for the next two days after that. On the 28th, I was like, well, I gotta get my paper signed they're going to violate me for sure for that. I don't want to get a violation for that too. So I went and I hit an AA meeting at uh, 11 o'clock at the Illinois Club East over on the east side of Lansing, right next to campus. They had a candlelight meeting. It was at 11 o'clock. I figured candlelight meeting is a good place for me to just kind of sit back and hide. Maybe they won't see me sitting back there. But they ask you if it's if it's your first, you know, they always ask if you're, it's your first meeting. It wasn't yep. my first meeting, but I, I just wanted to hide. It was, your first, to hide. It was your first voluntary meeting. This, this is the first meeting that I'm going to voluntarily. I haven't had a drink in four days, and I'm, like, freaking out because I don't know what to do. And, and I don't know what is coming yet either. So <clears throat> I go, I sit in the corner, I sit in the back corner in the dark. And I just sit there and listen. It's like, you know, the average age in the room is like probably 65 to early 50s, probably. <clears throat> so I just sat back there. They get around to a, uh, like a lull in the, in the meeting and they ask if, because it's just kind of a jump in as you feel the need to speak kind of a meeting. And, uh, <clears throat> So they were like, does anybody have anything or do you guys want to close? And I was like, I said, yeah, I'm Tim and I'm an alcoholic. And I started telling them everything that had been going on for the past six months. And they were like, no one was shocked. And I was just like, How, what? They're like, yeah, we knew. What? How did you know? Well, you come into meetings and you smell like boot, you smell like beer every day. Oh, good call. <laughs> I thought I, was, I thought I'd been masking it with like big red bubble gum, big red gum, you know, the strong cinnamon smell. So, no, they thought I was drinking hot damn. So that reminds me of this uh, uh, Rook, this <clears throat> really funny meme I actually just saw, and it was like, this candle smells like uh, this candle smells like fireball. And it was like, no, Becky, us non-alcoholics call that scent cinnamon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that meme. It's so funny. It's because it's so relatable, right? Yeah, for sure. <sighs> I mean, I still smell cinnamon, and I'm thinking, "Hot damn, who's drinking <laughs> hot damn?" In fact, I smelled it at work the other day, and I was like, "Somebody's drinking hot damn in here? What the hell?" And somebody's like, "No, it's just cinnamon, Tim." And I did want to oh, point out how. 
I want to point out how similar your story, uh, how how much I also relate to your story as far as I myself as well. I quit drinking and then went to my first meeting about three or four days later. And it's all majority older people. And, you know, it's that same thing where like towards the middle to end of the meeting, finally announcing that, you know, I think I'm an alcoholic and going from there. But like, you know, I, I pretty much had that, that, that same experience of like three or four days and then just trying to hit a meeting and then trying to just go from there. So I definitely yeah. uh, relate to you on that aspect as well. Yeah. I, I told you I, I'd listened to your story uh, a little while back and uh, I was like, man, I can relate to this guy. Did you listen to it on here? Or did you listen to it on one of the other podcasts? I think I listened to it on another podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, I was astounded how, like how many times you were able to like evade getting in trouble. I was like, how the heck? Yeah, I was, yeah, I got, I got away with quite, I, I got lucky quite a few times. And then the times that I did get caught, I got lucky to not get in as much trouble as I, should have yeah. or could have so i definitely i i dodged a few bullets that's why i like when uh yeah. when like i i make jokes all the time like you know mm -hmm. when, when the powerball comes up and this and that and i'm like oh if it wasn't for bad luck i would have no luck at all this and that but i'm like man i have no good luck when it comes to like winning money or something like that but like i have luck in the aspect <clears throat> of like i've been in like two two car accidents in which like people have been surprised that I was alive and like, I've been in situations and like, how did I not, I end up not going only surprised that you're not only surprised that you're alive, but surprised that you weren't going to jail. Yeah. I was just sure. like sitting there going, dude, if that would have been me, I would have been locked up in handcuffs in the back of the cop car on our way to the fucking jail. Yeah. And it's crazy too. How people, people also like say that line and I've done it myself too, but like, no, if that was me, I would have been locked up. And I'm like, wait, no. But like one time that was me and I didn't get locked up. So I guess maybe yeah, just, you know, right, right place at the right time sometimes. Or, well, you know, it just God looking out, I guess. Higher power knows exactly what you need. And he, he knew exactly what I needed to stay sober. For sure. And it wasn't it, it wasn't going to the meetings and just dry heaving it. It was like seeing people that was my age and not just people but like females that were my age that were staying sober i needed that's that's what i needed to see i needed to, i don't know why it was that but that's the way it was yeah exactly um, so uh yeah. so when you go to that when you go to that meeting how what is it like after that meeting uh do you kind of have a realization that you need more of this in your life or how does that play out for you i, I just kind of it, it was one of those things where it was like okay, they all say that this works. Um, you can either believe what they say and actually try to do this, or you can keep listening to what your PO says and just do what she tells you to do. And I'm like, well, I don't think I can stay sober without going to meetings. I definitely can't get sober without going to meetings. So... Maybe just going to a meeting, maybe it's like they say, maybe I need to go to a meeting every day and maybe something will start sinking in. And, you know, I'm doing, so for probation, I'm going to AA meetings, I'm doing drug tests, I'm doing, I, I was doing breathalyzers, I got through all my breathalyzers without any, any failing any of them and drinking every single day. And uh, 
the moment I got off, I, I got, I got drunk on uh, Halloween and ended up in my PO's office the next morning, not thinking that I had to report the next day and ended up in jail for four days. <laughs> I blew, I blew legally impaired back as it was called back then in my PO's office the day after drinking. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Just, just stupid. Like any normal person would have been like, I have, I have to go to court in the morning. I probably shouldn't go out tonight and drink a whole crap load of booze and then try to show up the next day. I would have been in less trouble if I hadn't shown up, <laughs> but because I showed up, I was, I went to jail. So when you, uh, my PO you... actually told me that he's like, <clears throat> he says, if you hadn't shown up, you would have been in less trouble than you are right now. <laughs> like, can we, can we, uh, pretend right. I wasn't here then? <laughs> can I just leave? No, you can't leave. So after you went to that meeting, did you, uh, did you start following any of the suggestions they give you? Did you, you know, <clears throat> do the 90 and 90, did you get a sponsor? Did you start working any of the steps? Did you do any of that? So I, I waited and I waited until they told me at um, my outpatient care that I had to have a sponsor. Because in, in there, you, you like set goals for yourself. And one of those one of those goals was getting a sponsor. So naturally, I picked the loudest person in the meeting. He, he was like 6'4". Huge guy, 250 pound guy. He spoke with like vigor and he just was the loudest guy in the room. And when he spoke, everybody stopped and what they were doing to look up and see what he had to say. So I picked him and he's like, you know, I'm not going to be that guy that's like 85 sitting in the meetings going, it's good to be sober still. And I was like, what, is, what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. And later on, as we, grew closer together he told me that he had cancer and that he was going to die <clears throat> and after staying so after i was two years sober he he actually did die from cancer <clears throat> but he was the one that was like you need to find somebody close to your age that you can relate to you need to find someone that's in the book and is working the steps and he goes we had just started this young people's meeting that met on Friday nights at 9.30. It's my home group, Young Survivors. They meet at East Minister Presbyterian on Friday nights at 9.30. Great group of people. They're wonderful. I love them to death. Um, and that all spawned from just the, an idea that there was nothing going on on Friday night for kids, for young people. I just want to point out, this, is still, was this was your home group sober. then, and it still is? <sighs> still is. I, I was a... I helped found, I helped start this meeting and uh, we outgrew the meeting space that we had at the Eleanor Club. Uh, we'd have standing room only in there. There was like no chairs whatsoever. People were coming from all over the state to go to this meeting. And so we moved to a church where we could grow. And now they have anniversary part. They have an anniversary party every March. <clears throat> And it's still to this day meets. Wow. Um, and so this has been your I mean, home group for know, like 19, 20 years then, if I'm doing that math correctly. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's super awesome. Uh, that 
that just kind of gives me chills to hear go into like the same meeting, you know, for 19 or 20 years. Like, wow, that's just amazing. The evolution of the meeting is crazy. It's crazy seeing it just evolve into something that is completely different than where it was when we started. And just like the the group conscious, just seeing the group conscious in in effect and just taking place every single meeting is just amazing. Yeah, that's, that's never. So cool. I never that's thought that like 20, 20 years later that meeting would still be around. Just never. It's just that. such proof that this program does work. And I also like to, and I've said this on many many episodes, and I'll continue saying it. I understand that AA isn't for everybody. It is not the only path to sobriety, uh, especially in 2022, as we're coming up on 2023. There are other ways out there uh, to to achieve sobriety. And I'm not saying that there's only one way. I'm just I personally speak about the way that worked for me because I can't speak of paths that I didn't take. Uh, It wouldn't be fair for me. It wouldn't be fair for me to uh, speak on another path that I didn't take. Uh, but it also, I believe it wouldn't be fair to me to say that there's only one way because it worked for me and it worked for a lot of other people because I know other people that have taken other paths and they seem to be doing just as well in their life. And it's it's not fair for me to say that one way is better than the other. I just know that AA worked for me and I know a lot of people that it worked for and it's such an amazing program. And, you know, hearing of someone being in the same home group for 20 years uh, and and hearing where you came from are just some of the signs that the program really does work. You know, like they say, it works if you work it. And it's this right here speaking to you on this is just proof of that exact of that exact uh, claim. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find you know, yourself the, sponsoring people it, yourself today? Um. No, not really. Um. Uh, I don't even go to as many meetings as I used to go to. Um, so, like, you know, sobriety kind of involves evidence flows. And it's like Scott talks about, you know, he, he like, I, I haven't been to a meeting. I didn't go to meetings for a number of years. And, like, you know, like takes place. So you just find other things to, to fill in the gaps of, you know, you got to start. You got to start living your life. You can't live your life in the rooms my good friend Gary told me that he's like, what do you, you go to how many meetings a week? And I was like, like 11. He's like, Holy crap. That's a lot of fucking meetings, dude. He goes, you need to like start living your life and see what's out there. Not just living your life in the rooms, you know, start putting the principles to into practice. And so, you know, I have four nieces and a nephew and I just absolutely love them. They're the best thing ever. So I get I get to spend time with them now, you know, and they've never seen Uncle Tim drunk. They'll never see Uncle Tim drunk. I love it. I love that right there. So let's yeah. uh we're gonna we're probably gonna bounce around here a little bit, but let's jump into sure. uh into into running. How does that play sure. how does that play a role in your life? So let's see. When I was a kid, my dad used to do like big bike trips. There's a there's a a ride here in Michigan called Delmac. It's the Dick Allen Lansing the Mackinac bicycle ride. 
And back in the 80s, they only had like a couple different routes that you could take. And my dad started doing doing that every year. So naturally, I'm, I want to hang out with dad. I want to be around dad. So I started riding bicycles with my dad. And then uh, when I was in sixth grade, it was the last year that we did it. I got hurt on the second day of doing that. So I almost, I was like really close to tearing my Achilles tendon. And it just, you know, it's one of those things where you just get off the bike and I'm done with that. <clears throat> and uh, that year, my dad stopped running, stopped riding bicycles as much. And because he was like, you know, he'd ride his bike to work, he'd ride his bike and take the long way, the way home, long way home, ride 20 miles instead of six miles home. So he started running and uh, he said, well, why, why don't you start running with me instead of just whatever? And I was like, well, I need shoes. So they got me a pair of shoes and I started running with my dad. Sorry, little guy's acting up a little bit over yeah. here. No worries. I understand how it is. <laughs> Go ahead, though. I have I have two sisters, so it's like talking to them sometimes. You know, they're, <laughs> they're talking to the kids. And I'm like, are you talking to me or are you talking to them? I can't tell. <laughs> it's pretty comedic sometimes. But yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, so he starts running. He says, well, you should start running with me. So I, I started running with him. And next thing I know, like, when somebody asks you to go running with them, you run with them, right? Well, we go out and we go for a run. And he's trying to get a workout in. And I'm going too slow for him. So he he runs with me for, like, the first mile, mile and a half. And then he's, he's way off ahead of me, like, dropping me like a bad habit. So I'm like, well, this isn't any fun. So we did my first my first ever race was a was a four mile race at his where he worked at GM. <clears throat> they had this like four mile course that they mapped out. It was called the, the Quad Four Four Mile Run, and I was like, this is horrible. But everybody at the end was like, how did you do that? Because I was like dying halfway through the race, and at the end I saw finish line and I just took off sprinting for the finish line and they're like that's amazing how did, how did you do that so I got it in my head that I had some sort of maybe talent for this which I really didn't I, I tried running track I didn't have talent for the track I didn't have talent for cross country I just I just enjoyed being out there <clears throat> um so uh, somewhere along the line, I started smoking. I think I, I started smoking when I was just before I started drinking. Everybody talks about how pot is like the gateway drug, and I'm I'm like, eh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I think it's cigarettes. You start smoking, and then drinking comes along, and then the drugs come with it. I think that's my opinion. Cigarettes was a gateway for me, and uh. So running in high school, I, I went, I joined track. I didn't really like it. Running on the track was just terrible to me. I thought, I thought this is the most boring thing in the world. Just going around in circles. 
<clears throat> so I still to this day hate running on the track. Hate it. Um, I'd rather be out in the woods running around in the trails. Um, it can get painful because so, you just like you feel the need to just go fast on the track. So it gets painful. Yep. And I and I wasn't fast. <laughs> I got I think my first track meet was an invitational at East Lansing. Do you remember Randy Kinder? No. He was a running back. He he was a running back. He played for Notre Dame. I don't think he ever made it into the NFL, but he played at East Lansing High School. He was just this amazing running back. And uh, I saw him run the 100-yard dash at East Lansing High School that the day that I was running. He was just amazing. Fast, super fast, great runner, um, great football player. Uh, I, on the other hand, was not a good runner. <laughs> I, I I was running the two mile. I was running the two mile, and I got lapped, not once, but twice by the guy that won. <clears throat> he was a good runner. <clears throat> so track was. I didn't really like track, so I I stopped doing that, and I was like, well, maybe maybe cross country is where it's at. So. I signed up for cross country in the fall and uh, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is awesome. Well, I was 15. And what happens when you're 15? You get into driver's ed, right? So it was my, I was like 16. It was the beginning of my sophomore year. I'm running cross country. I just got into driver's ed and the coach goes, well, you have to pick one or the other. Are you going to run or are you going to take driver's ed? like this is a no-brainer right i'm gonna take driver's ed <clears throat> the coach was already giving me trouble about smoking cigarettes and everything anyway so it was like this is this is an easy one i'm taking driver's ed so i did that instead of running and that was pretty much the end of running for me until i got sober and what happened what happened when you got sober to pick it back up you know, I can't, I'm not even really sure what it was. Just stumbled upon an episode of I, 10 Junk I, Miles and was like, no, if Scott can do it, I'm out there. <laughs> no, this was like way before, before that. Um, I think it was like, oh, five. I was like five years sober and I was single I wasn't dating anyone. It didn't look like there was any any anyone that I was even interested in dating around at the time. And I was like, well, my sponsor challenged me to a, a 5K race. And I was like, I've been running on a treadmill for a little bit. Yeah, I could probably do that. So we go out. It's like a cold March day. I don't even remember why I started running at the gym. I think I just started running at the gym as like something to warm up for lifting, which I was terrible at as well. <laughs> and uh, if you if you see me, like I'm I'm tall and I'm I'm skinny, I'm lanky, so I I look I kind of have like that runner body, but with like a little pudge on in the front. So like I don't run with my t-shirt off. <clears throat> um. And uh, so he he's like, let's do this 5K. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. You're my sponsor. You want me to run with you? That's cool. I'll go run. Well, we go out there, and 
we run. I get back to the finish line and I'm like looking around for him because I'm thinking he had to have passed me at some point and just dusted me, right? And I'm standing there looking around. And I'm like, where the heck is he? And I look back at the finish line and there he is crossing the finish line. I'm like, what happened? I thought you passed me. He goes, no, you dusted me. I'm like, he goes, don't worry, I'll get you next time. And I'm like, next time? What do you mean next time? I'm not doing this again. 5Ks are horrible. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, so he's like, no, 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 no. We're doing this again. I'm going to beat you. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm still going to the gym every day. I'm still working out. I'm getting faster. I'm getting stronger. So we go out the next time. And I never saw him once we left the, the start finish. We get back. And he's like, I thought I was going to have you when you went around the corner, but I, I missed you. And he's like, you're fast. He's like, don't worry, I'll get you next time. I'm like, dude, how many of these are we doing? I don't, <laughs> this isn't fun. Running around the city, city streets of Lansing. It's just, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this. He's like, no, 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 you do too. You're going to break 20 minutes. I know it. And I was like, I have no desire to even do that. And uh, so he, he picks the next race. I'm like, great. It's a night race. It starts at like 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening. It's downtown Lansing. It's just, there's these hills in, in downtown that are just horrible. And then you run down these hills past the community college and race day comes along and I'm, I'm feeling really strong. I'm feeling really good. I, I feel like I could possibly break 20, but I'm, you know, those, those evening races, those evening starts, you never know really how to eat beforehand. Yeah. You want to be fast, but you don't want to be, you don't want to be, you don't want to be sluggish. So you don't really eat all day drink a bunch of water you pee a million times before the start of the race um and then the race finally comes and you're just like this is terrible so i take off race starts i take off i i i, I never saw him again i'd never see him again until the finish line um and i ran the fastest 5k i've ever run i broke 20 minutes I ran in 1957 wow and I was like and I was like that's it I'm done <laughs> he goes no 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 we gotta do this again we gotta do this how one more bad time. did like, that hurt dude to be honest the, the thing that hurt the worst was this little kid who he had to be like 13 or 14 years old is running right next to me when we crossed the one mile mark and it said like I think the 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 clock said like 5.15 or 5.20 or something like that. And this kid's running like effortlessly. I'm just like, I hate you. <laughs> and he, and he, he just pulled away. He just kept on going that same pace as I started slowing down. Um, he was like, he looked over. up at you. He goes, that might've been your, your fastest mile, but that was my slowest. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. He's like, he's like, this was easy. He goes, this was my easy pace. What are you even doing out here, old man? And I'm in my 20s. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, this is so dumb. There, there's a part, there's a portion where the 
where it, like it's kind of an out and back thing and you you cross this like walking bridge over the river in downtown and uh anybody that lives in the area knows exactly where i'm talking about <clears throat> and i see the kid coming back already and i'm like oh i hate you <laughs> this is good i'm never this isn't gonna be a good race for me at all <laughs> and uh i was so wrong it was such a good race is that 515 ish is that your fastest mile you ever ran yeah i think so i don't i don't I don't, I, I didn't even know I had that in my legs at the time. I just was like, I think this is the day that I can do it. Maybe if, if it's not a 20 minute, if it's not under 20 minutes, I don't care. There's a, there'll be another race in a couple of weeks anyway, or next weekend. And I can do it then. Well, when you, when your first mile is a sub six, you leave yourself a lot of cushion. Oh yeah. And I did. I think my last mile was in the seven range yeah i mean at that point all you got to do is run two sub sevens and you're you're golden you know what i mean yeah yep yeah you can i mean at that point too if if you can even if you can even reel in like a a six fifteen for your second one you can pretty much jog in an eight minute mile at that point which uh i also want to clarify to listeners here an eight minute mile is not jogging um but when you've just ran a five and a half and a six and a half minute mile, eight minute mile probably feels like jogging at that point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now it feels like I'm running really fast for an eight minute mile. Yeah. I mean, I'm, wow. I just, I just crushed that mile. Yeah. I, uh, after, after my injury, I just got my 5k pace back, uh, just under sub eight minute mile, uh, for, for a 5k. And I'm like, happy nice. with that right now i mean i'm trying to get back i i was as low as my fastest 5k ever is 22 2230 like on the dot nice. but i'm trying to uh i'm trying to break 20 i'm trying to break 21 so that's super that 2230 that's you that's not a slouch run that's that's really respectable i know but i'm trying to qualify for boston so i'm just right it's it's tough and i'm like if i can't run a sub 21 minute 5k I'm never going to run a sub three hour marathon. It's just math right there. It just doesn't add up. So I, I got to speed it up. My my hope, my hopes and dreams of ever qualifying for Boston are like kind of, it'll, it'll get there as I get older, maybe. But speaking of marathons, what's the longest run you've ever uh, done? So a few years ago, uh, my good friend, Anna Z, who you, you've heard her podcast on uh, somebody else's as well um is that she, is that the is that the anna z on i run anonymous yes okay yes she she's a good friend of mine um her and another gal were talking about doing something crazy like 70 some miles around lansing and i was like that sounds stupid i want to go <laughs> so, it sounds like a terrible idea i'm in <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> Let's go. Can I come? Can I come with you guys? So she calls the other person and there's a conf- she has a sort of a conflict with uh, her child's father. So she is out. She's not going to do it. So Anna calls me back. She's like, she tells me that her friend is, isn't going to do it. She said on just doing a hundred K and I'm like, just, just 100k, 100K. Just, just just 62 miles run, 
you're just gonna run 62 miles that's cool <laughs> so I'm like well I'll come with you maybe I'll make it maybe I won't maybe maybe I'll figure out a different number to run I don't know and I've never I, I tried to run a marathon once I, I did all the training for it I got I got injured in the training and decided that I was going to start the race and made it seven, almost 17 miles and everything just kind of seized up on me and I hit the ground running, like literally fell on my face on a road marathon. <clears throat> so I never, I never finished the marathon. So at this point, my longest run is 20 miles period. Like that's the farthest I've ever gone. And, uh, so she calls me and she's like, yeah, she's out. I'm going to do a hundred K. You can come with me if you want, but when do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I just bought a box of honey stingers at the store and I got all this other stuff. I, I'm want to do, you want to go tomorrow? And she's like, okay. And I'm like, uh Oh, shit just got real. We're doing this tomorrow. Oh, I was like, okay, I'll I'll come pick you up and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out from there, right? And they had had a they had mapped out like a map of the the route that they were gonna do with like all the I think it was like I think it was like seventy eight miles or something like that, something crazy. And uh, she goes, we'll just we'll just make some adjustments to this and we'll figure it out on the road. <clears throat> so we head out. And somewhere along the, the route, I decided that I was I was gonna do fifty. I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna try for fifty, and whatever whatever I made was over twenty six point two was gonna be a P, a distance PR for me. <clears throat> and um, are you on Slack for TGM? No, I'm not. Oh, no, no, no. You made a no, no. you made a wise decision not going there. They will talk you into doing stupid, stupid things. And um, so I, I had some really bad cramping at mile 17. Um, I thought that was going to be, I thought I was going to be done there, but I kept pushing. <clears throat> um, and I got to 41, 41 and a half. And I told Anna I was, I, I was quitting. I, I would just. I'd go get whatever she needed from the store and I'd come back and help crew her. She was going to go to Hawk Island. It's this like paved trail. It goes around a pond. No, so, no, okay. no, no, no. Give me one second. Here. So I just, so she's going to do this two and a half mile loop. It's a paved trail at Hawkeye at this little park in Lansing called Hawk Island. Um, they swim there in the summer and all kinds of stuff, sledding in the winter. It's a really nice park. Um, so I'm like, I'm done. 41 and a half, I'm, I'm done. That's it. I'm, I'm cashing in. <clears throat> and I'm like, I'll go to the store and get you whatever you need. And she's like, she gives me like a list of like Gatorade, this, that, and whatever. So I go and I get that. And I stop at McDonald's. And then I drive over to Hawk Island. Mind you, I still I still have my watch forty one point five. I haven't saved it or nothing yet. And uh, I jump on Slack. Rookie mistake. <laughs> um, the entire crew.
crew, including Scott, is online and starts. Scott's like, I'm going to kick you out of Slack if you don't finish. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? Can he, can he even do that? Does he have the power to kick me out? And uh, a bunch of other people are like, you got this. Just get some food in you and you'll be good. So I got some McDonald's and I ate some chicken nuggets. I ate like a 20-piece chicken nugget and sucked down a, a large Sprite. And uh, I'm sitting there waiting for Anna to come back around to give her like some food and some Gatorade and whatever else she had asked me for. And I was like, you know, we've gone 41 and a half miles. It's not going to get dark for another couple hours. Just go out and walk. It's two and a half miles around. Just walk, just take a walk and see how it feels and if you get past the cart when you get back around to the car if you keep on going you're gonna finish so uh i started walking the opposite direction that anna was running and i when i got to her i was like here here's the keys get whatever you need out it's everything that you asked for is in the car get whatever you need i'm gonna try and finish this and uh I ended up finishing 50.01 miles at my car. (laughs) And uh, she just finished 62. She finished her 100K at the same time. So she put, there was a big video on Facebook. We just ran, I just ran 62. She just, I ran 50. She ran 62. Um, Went home. Drove her home, drove myself home, and that was that was that. Fifty miles is the farthest I've ever run. How did that feel? I've never been in so much pain in my entire life. And when was this? Uh, this was summer of twenty twenty. Okay. Right? Like mid, uh, like middle of the pandemic. Like, so let's see if you can predict my next question. Ooh. Are you going to beat that? Do you have any goals, any desire to try and beat that? Maybe 100, 100K next? Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I really want to do the Sugar Badger 50. Sorry, you were cut. You were cutting out there after the Sugar Badger Fifty. Oh. Oh. Um, so, I started a post office this year, so I was like, "Would it be a good idea to take time off from a brand new job and go run fifty miles in the woods with a bunch of people?" The I have that race sitting waiting. All I got to do is just be like, hey, sign me up. And that's the, sorry, because you were cutting out again. That's the sugar badger you're still talking about there? 
Oh man! Anytime I say it's like a trigger word. Anytime I say sugar badger, you start breaking out. Yeah. All right. So any uh any anything in mind? Any any very near future goals? Anything that you have planned up? Anything that you're even training for? Even even maybe a little bit less miles? Anything on the immediate uh, radar or schedule right now? No, I don't have anything on my schedule except just getting out for the that run at once a day or once every other day or whatever whatever it looks like. Which um, you got out for but, right before we did this. I'm, so there's that. Yeah. They do a lot of hunting there, so they close that park hunting season that doesn't end until like January. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, and I apologize to the listeners. I know we're breaking out a little bit, but uh, Tim was referring to a, a local trail uh, that's getting ready to close down for hunting season in which he found uh, today was the last day. So he was able to get out there and get some miles in uh, this morning, which, like he said, the weather wasn't great. So got nice and rainy and cold and all of that ultra training weather. So consider consider extra training. So there's there's always that going for you. So that's always a. Uh, it sucks, but it's it's extra training, so it works. It helps. Train everything, right? Hips, <laughs> stomach. There you go. So uh, I know I know you like to uh, I know you listen to Ten Junk Miles. I know you're uh, a member of that community, which is awesome. Scott's a really great guy, uh, and I like to uh, I follow everything he's got going on. Uh, I try and reach out to him every so often. I actually just made my first call into the bonk line actually recently. So we'll see if that, uh, I don't know oh, if that really, yeah, I don't know if that's going to end up getting played. I, um, and it's funny too, cause I told him I knew it was coming. I called him like a few days prior cause I wanted to make sure I had the right phone number. And, um, he, an he actually answered cause he was actually expecting a call. I think he said he had a friend in town who's actually from Pennsylvania. So when it popped up, he thought it was him, but anyway, it was like <laughs> at the time it was going to be my longest run in like a year. I was going for a 14 mile run and I know it was hot out and it was humid. And I just, I knew that it wasn't going to feel great, especially cause of my sleep schedule. So I told him, I was like with having to work this weekend and going to do my longest run in a year and in the heat, I said, I have a feeling this run is going to suck. So I might reach out to the bonk line for the first time. And sure enough, it was absolutely terrible and I hated it. And so I was like, yeah, this is a perfect time. So I called into the bonk line. So I don't, I don't know if it's going to get, end up getting played or when it'll get played, but it was a, uh, it was a fun experience. So we'll see. All right. So what does what does recovery look like for you today? Uh, I know you said you're not going to as many meetings, um, but clearly it still plays a, a big role in your life. Like you said, your uh, your nieces and nephews, they've never seen Uncle Tim drunk. The goal is for them to never see Uncle Tim drunk. 
which is amazing. Uh, but like, do you, do you find, do you find yourself ever just having a bad couple days where you think maybe a meeting will kind of set you straight or you at a, a better place where you just have other ways you like to deal with it? Like what is your recovery and your sobriety like today? So something I was taught early on was like, just because you're having a bad day, doesn't mean that you go to a meeting and share that you had a bad day in the meeting. I called my sponsor on those days. Okay. Those, those, those are the moments that are for sponsors. Like I called my sponsor. I'm like, dude, the dog shit on the bed. The cat's being a dick and puked all over the house. You, you, you know, whatever, whatever the issue is. And he, he's always like, did you pray? Did you get down on your hands and knees and pray today? Did you go to a meeting? Did you do this? Did you do your reading? Did you do, you know, and, what, and, and the list just keeps going on and on and on. No, no. And the answer is always no. I didn't do those things. Did you try to talk to somebody new? Did you try to talk to another alcoholic today? Not just a newcomer. It just says another alcoholic. It like, yes, talking to newcomers is important. And I believe that carrying the message to the newcomer is probably the most important thing that you do in recovery, but just talking to another alcoholic gets a perspective. Um, so that that's always like at the forefront of my mind, like today's a crappy day. I'm going to call my sponsor and, he, and he'll start starting with question one. And I always, I know the questions before I even call. I like <clears throat> so um, what, the what other kind thing, of, the other thing he taught me to, to do is to not say but or I know. Because if I'm calling him, I probably don't know the answers already. So if I'm saying I know to him, he hangs up. I like that. If I say, if I say but, he hangs up. And I know exactly what happened because I said but. And he hung, hangs up. For calling back. I, I like apologize. that. And I apologize for saying fuck you to him. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So for the listeners out there today uh, who are listening to this episode, for those that are struggling, you might be thinking about picking up a drink or a drug, or for those that are looking for a reason to put the drink or the drug down today, uh, Tim with 20, um, 22, 21, almost 22 years sobriety. What can you say to this, to this person listening that might help them uh, either put the drink or the drug down or not pick it up today? Uh, my great, my good friend, Greg, always used to tell me don't get off the bus until we get to Disneyland. Oh, so, whatever it is, it's temporary. Just stay on the bus until we get to Disneyland. I like that a lot. That's, that's awesome. That's a, uh, that's something that's going to stick with me for sure. All right. Well, uh, Tim, we're going to close out this episode. The only way I know how the same way I close out every episode uh, this is going to be now the 89th episode, I think. Uh, so on behalf of everybody out there in the Staying Fit ODAD Nation, Tim, we want to thank you so much for taking your time, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, uh, sharing your uh, your wisdom about running. Uh, that sub-25K is unbelievable. I'm going to have to reach out to you as I get a little bit closer to that because that is just – So long ago. That's so – yeah, but it's so fast. It's so fast. And I know it's going to hurt so bad when I get there. Uh, but oh, I can't yeah. wait. It's it's goals. And, uh, you know, hope there'll probably be a 13 year old kid running right next to me and laughing at me as well. So I'll uh, <laughs> I'll be thinking of you if that's happening and when that's happening. But, uh, 
you know, again, we want to just thank you so much for sharing with us today and sharing your story, Tim, wow. on behalf of everybody with so the Staying much. Fit ODAD Nation. All we ask from us to you is that you continue staying healthy, continue staying fit. And Tim, tell us how you're doing it. One day at a time. We love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Staying Fit ODAD. If you yourself identify as someone in recovery, whether it be from alcoholism, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, or any other type of mental health issue, then please join the group on Facebook at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T, three different words. If you do not identify as someone in recovery, but you like everything we have going on and you want to continue staying in the loop with everything, then please follow us on Instagram at Staying Fit O-D-A-A-T. You can also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at stayingfitodaat at gmail.com. Until next time, just know you're loved, continue staying healthy, continue staying fit, and please keep doing this one day at a time.